Hey, Robert. Hey, Meryl. We are back for installment number three in our three-part series on the teacher pipeline in rural Georgia. Yeah, I'm excited. Third time's a charm. The first two have been really good, so that says a lot. They have, they have. And I love the conversation that is about to happen. We, um, we will be hearing today from folks who are with the Ruby Sullivan Scholarship Program at Valdosta State University. Uh, this is a cool program. Uh, it's a really neat model. I, I am very excited for us to be sort of spotlighting it and giving it a little amplification. Um, today we are going to hear from Carla Hull, who's the ED. She's the executive director of VSU's Sullivan Scholarship Program. And Paul Goodrich, who is the chair of the Ruby Sullivan Educational Scholars Program and the trustee of Ruby Sullivan's estate. So there's some pretty informed voices. They started this whole thing and run this whole thing. It's a cool program. Well, I'm very excited to hear from them. Sounds like a really awesome, awesome program. So let's go ahead and jump into it, Mara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what they have to say. All right. All right. You ready? Ready. Okay. All right. Story, so. starts, story starts in 1976. I'm from Boston. I'm the field coordinator for a fellow named Jimmy Carter from your state who wants to be president. And I'm the campaign manager in Pennsylvania. Young fellow steps off a bus. I can't understand a word he's saying. He's a volunteer. He's part of the Painted Brigade. He ends up volunteering to work on the Carter campaign. After the campaign, he sort of adopts Boston, Massachusetts and all of the political folks that were there working for the president because uh, Governor Carter became the president. So John Sullivan uh, literally becomes a member of the Boston political community. And uh, that relationship goes on for 36 years. And every once in a while, I would go down and visit with John. But sadly, John got ill. And while visiting with John, I had an opportunity to talk to Miss Ruby. John was an only son. Uh, she had no other siblings. And when I met Miss Ruby, she was in her 90s. And sadly, John died uh, at a young age. And now it was just Miss Ruby. I went down and did the eulogy. And that day she said, I want to do something for John's memory. I want to do a scholarship. Now she actually attended Georgia College for Women back in the 1900s and John went to VSU. And um, I said, let's do it at VSU. She said, let's do it. I had some experience in setting up scholarship programs at another university. And that's how the Sullivan Scholarship uh, started. The key to the whole thing, however, is in 1955, Miss Ruby made a very prudent investment. And I won't even mention the stock, but she bought $500 worth of that stock and it multiplied into millions. Everybody's, and that's all, that's all I need to great, say. Right? And so that's the beginning of the Sullivan Scholarship at VSU. And the whole purpose is to celebrate Miss Ruby 67 years as a teacher and or administrator in rural Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so we absolutely focus on young people 
who want to be teachers. And then Carl can tell you about the program. Mm -hmm. But I'll just close by saying my experience before the Sullivan Scholarship was that while we understood the underserved population, the key for us was, as you said, and I love your phrase, of course, to and through. But we came to learn that the quality of the through is just more than academics. Hmm. The quality of the through is that you can't have these underserved youngsters without any sense of family and security in that they belong where they are. Hmm. And you won't have a success. And with that, I'm gonna let Carla deal with all the specific, because <laughs> she's my educational guru and a dear friend, by the way. Thank you, Paul, thank you. Um, yes, Miss Ruby in 1932, or when she was when she was 16, she went to her daddy, who was a a farmer and a preacher, and they had a big family. And she said, "Daddy, I want to go to school and become a teacher." And he said, "No." And she, you know, was very respectful, so she took that. But she walked into town, probably a mile or two, went to the Bank of America or to a bank in in Camilla, Georgia, and. Um, said, I need to see the um, president of the bank. And of course, everybody knew everybody in the town. And they said, oh, Ruby, you're 16, you know, no. So she waited outside until he, it closed, got him. And, and she said, I wanna go to VSU. It wasn't called VSU at the time, but it was a women's college and become a teacher. I need you to loan me money. We don't know why he spoke to her or, or, or lent her the money. His family still exists in the area and we're connected with them thanks to Paul. But um, he lent her money and he said, okay, you go to college and, I'll, and pay me back when you're done. And so she went to VSU, she, uh, the, the women's college at the time, she got a degree in teaching, uh, she paid him back, she taught for 67 years in a variety of capacities. And it's that grit, that desire to be a teacher so much that you would go at, do whatever it takes to get it. So that's what we're looking for. So the Sullivan Scholarship, the students um, are nominated when they're in high school. And this was um, an idea that Paul had when we were designing this because it's so, so stressful for them in that junior senior year and their families when they know they don't have the money for it and maybe they're figuring out other options for kids. And if we could say to them, you will have a scholarship if you maintain your, your grades, et cetera. Um, we hoped it would relieve some of their um, uh, stress about perhaps going to college and becoming a teacher. So they have to be nominated by um, uh, at least two people in their uh, high school, it can be administrators or teachers. And at that point, um, um, they, they, I get that information and then I contact them. Um, the scholarship will pay a full ride for them and the way that we're able to do that is because as teachers, they're gonna to have to have a 3.0 to get into a teaching program. So they must be HOPE eligible. So that's one criteria when they, in high school, they have to be shooting for that and maintain that to get with us. And the other criteria is that they have significant financial need. And um, that means that they will get some Pell money. So by combining those two sources, Miss Ruby then funds, Miss Ruby's money then funds um, the gap between those for them. And um, so there are two things, financial needs, good grades, but most importantly, that passion for teaching. 
And so once they've made it through the application process, they have the nominations, I go out and meet them or someone from my staff will go out and meet them and interview them. Um, we do it on site with them. We've done it virtually this year, but on site because we know how scary it is to get them to a campus, um, at, especially in high school and the logistics of that. Will they come? Are they afraid, et cetera? Can they? Can their family afford to get them there? Um, so we felt like we needed to come to them. And secondly, we did that because we wanted to um, secure relationships with that high school. Uh, you know, let it, let them see us and, and meet us, and let's let's start a relationship. Um, so we do that. And at the interview, as I said, I typically tell them Miss Ruby's story, and then I ask them two questions. Well, I ask several questions, but the two that have been most significant are number one, tell me about your family, and they spill their guts and they tell us everything about Aunt Josie who's in jail or uh, Miss Mary who always taught in, in the family and that there's a tradition of teaching. So I, I wanna know what, what their story is and, and also it often leads to what their need is and, and why they wanna do this. But secondly, what, when did you know you wanted to be a teacher? And we listen very carefully for those stories and very often they had a teacher who made a difference in their life <clears throat> and they believed they could do it. And then someone noticed they could teach. The fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're in Georgia and have the um, CTAE pathways for teaching um, is very helpful um, because many of the students who I've interviewed have actually um, taken that pathway, <clears throat> excuse me, in their school and so they've actually experienced teaching in a classroom and being supervised before we ever get them. So they, they know this is what they wanna do. And that's really important to us. Um, the scholarship pays for their tuition with that combined funding. It pays for their fees. It pays for a residence hall. It pays for their books. Um, it, it's, uh, we give them a $400 stipend um, each semester because we know that um, they may need gas money home or a, a sweatshirt from the um, bookstore or something. Um, so it's not a lot, <clears throat> but it's a little bit. We felt like that was important. We also give them um, a laptop computer sort of on loan while they're with us if they don't have one to bring to the campus. And all of those um, were in, those ideas were informed by Paul's experience in the program that he started at Georgetown. And that is you want them to be on equal footing with everybody else in school. So this, the, there is a question that I ask them that is, tell me about your little town. And that for me is the key question because when I started this, I thought, so we'll get these kids here and a lot of them will decide this is great. I'm gonna go to Atlanta to teach, right? More money, more excitement. And so I say, tell me about your town. And 90% of them, love where they live in the rural area. And they talk about the family community that everybody has your back and yeah, we know each other and yeah, there might, might be gossip, but we, we belong here, we love it, we're coming back here. That was a surprise to me. Um, and I believe we haven't graduated anybody yet, next year we will, um, but I believe that we will see them going back. Um, and that was the intent. If we take them from a rural community, give them this opportunity that they would go back to a rural community, doesn't have to be their own, in Georgia. 
Um, and we provide an incentive for them to do that. So if they decide to choose a poor rural community to teach in when they leave us, we'll give them, uh, I think it's $2,500 for two years, just to stop, they can buy, they can do whatever they want, um, help them with housing, um, buy classroom supplies, whatever. So as a part of doing this, we talk to superintendents in uh, all over Georgia, but in rural counties in particular, and um, said, here's what we're doing, what can you do? And to our wonderful surprise, many of the superintendents upon graduation, when these students get honors, um, and one of the honors is the Sullivan Scholarship. So we send them a stole that says VSU and Sullivan Scholarship that they can wear at their high school graduation and for honors night. And uh, we learned that several of the principals in those schools said congratulations and handed them a letter that says, when you graduate, you have a job with me. So that's pretty cool. We didn't expect that kind, that level of commitment. And of course, there were three or four principals who did that, or excuse me, superintendents. And so we're spreading that word and we think that more of them will do that. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Can you tell me, um, I know you guys target smaller communities, uh, are the relation? Do people find out about the program because of your outreach to superintendents, uh, because of their outreach to VSU? How how does somebody get hooked up with mm -hmm. the Ruby Sullivan Scholarship? So we certainly do have a website, but in the beginning, we invited guidance or school counselors from high schools in our region and that were uh, in rural counties uh, to tell them about it. Um, I send emails to them um, on a very regular basis. Um, and once it gets started, then the word has spread. I also reached out to the CTA pathway teachers and said, this is something um, for your students. And um, once they get hooked in, they're, they're calling me and emailing me a lot. I've got this kid, I've got this kid. So it's growing. Um, we started out inviting people and you know we thought we could only take X number. We took 30 the first year. Um, and um, through that, it's beginning to spiral. And each time we, we are very intentional about trying to really push and reach out to a county where we haven't had students. So they're the counties who bring a student to us are with us and they send us repeatedly. Um, but each time that we have a new cycle, um, we look at where are surrounding rural counties where we haven't gotten any. And it's very possible and that in those counties, they don't have the, those class sizes are very small in high school. There could be nobody who really is interested in teaching, it's possible, but we wanna make sure they know how to do that. So we've tried to control the growth of it. So until we understood fully how to get them here, how to keep them here. And so by control, I mean, we reached out to probably 30 to 50 counties initially. And then I've been selectively and intentionally trying to um, send reminders to the counties that we're not hearing from. And is that all Southwest Georgia or surrounding sort of Valdosta and Valdosta State University, or is that statewide? How do you, how do you the, target your counties? So initially we targeted our, the region, our Southwest region, um, uh, that uh, VSU serves. It's a 41 county area, but it extends all the way um, almost to the East Coast. So we have kids from Brantley County, from Pierce County, 
Um, you know, um, Jefferson Davis, I think is in, um, I can't remember the, the, the uh, uh, city that's there, but so it does extend across pretty much the bottom of the state. But we also um, did um, initially invite some students who were from very poor um, urban settings uh, because we felt there was a need there. Um, and so we did initially have someone from Columbus and someone, several from Atlanta. Um, the, the intent would be anybody is, is welcome to do it. Um, and so the intent is that um, it, it gets more and more exposure, but we wanted to make sure that we understood fully what we were getting into and that we could support those students and see them through. So we didn't broadcast loudly. Um, it's known at the state level, at the Department of Ed, um, but, um, and superintendents meetings, we do go to those uh, and, and make sure that they're aware of it. But that really, the, the pressure, I think, pressure point for us or, or excitement point is when you talk to a, a, a school counselor or somebody in CTA pathway, because that's their work. And if you can connect with them, they, they very much spread the word and, and get it out there. Well, and then they, they go to students. They can be like, oh, I, I know three people off the top of my head who are the right fit. One of them this that. year, two of them are next year. Let me make sure. Yeah, they know the kids. Yeah, yeah and they're committed to it. It's, it's one, they're incredibly grateful um, to us for enabling someone from their school to get here. So I think uh, in the first two years, we held a, what we called a summit and we invited the superintendent, the principal, uh, the teachers who nominated, the student's family, and the student, of course, uh, to VSU, where we officially gave them their, their um, stole for graduation. They're still in high school yet. Yeah, I mean, they're seniors, but um, so, and then we took pictures of that grouping and sent it back to them so they could advertise it in their county and, sure. and that kind of thing. Sure. So that partnership is, is really important. And as we start to see students who are ready to student teach. One of the barriers at VSU and in other universities in our state was that we, we would not in the past allow students to student teach in the school that they grew up in or um, outside of like a, um, a 30 or 60 mile radius, largely because we had to supervise them. <clears throat> uh, we have intentionally changed that policy at VSU because we very much want them to do their student teaching back in their county, if that's their choice, so that they get in there. And there's a new piece uh, that many of the universities in Georgia are using the residency piece. So during their student teaching, many schools will pay them um, as, a, as a teacher, make them teacher of record. It's not the same money as a teacher, but it's a very good deal. And we're really promoting that. So it, it's our intention um, to do that as well. That's fantastic. How many students are in the program today? Uh, right now we have 60. That's amazing. Um, and we'll be bringing in some more for the fall. So uh, COVID slowed us down for sure. Um, in lots of ways, um, families uh, of students that had been nominated um, during this COVID year, uh, many of them decided they really didn't want their students leaving. <laughs> and so we'll have to go back and revisit that. Um, sure. However, I think um, that's one of the, if, if you look at what are the challenges of getting students to a university and then back home, <clears throat> one of the big, big challenges is they're so rooted. 
So leaving those families is a, a, a huge culture shock for everyone. And in fact, in many families, um, it hurts them because that student probably is the one in the family who helps out with everything, um, helps with the younger children uh, in, in families that are bilingual. They're the ones that go to the hospital and translate for grandma. And so when they leave the family, even if it's for three to four years for college, there's a hole. So on the family side, there's a challenge. And we've had some pushback around that with families not wanting to let go. And on the student side, there's a challenge because they feel so responsible that they'll take the three in the morning calls. And, and it can be so um, um, frequent that it begins to hurt their ability to focus on college and get a degree. So those are some of the challenges that we're seeing. The other thing we're noticing this year, second year, is we're becoming aware that a bunch of them take off on Friday and go home for the weekend. Nothing wrong with that, except for it does reduce study time because they're not studying when they go home. And it does reduce their connection to the campus, which is what we know from research, helps keep them in school and moving forward. So those are some things that we're, we're looking at. Can I ask also, so, so it sounds like, Ms. Ruby fell in the jam jar that we all dream of where you invest at the right time and then ignore that investment for millions of years and then it turns out you're rich. Uh, may we all be so lucky. Uh, but and 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 such generosity to give that money to a program like this. I mean that's what a what a huge and profound impact this is going to have on on these families and on the region. Um but it does sound like it is such a generous program and that's wonderful, but expensive. Um, is it, do you guys, are you fundraising around it? Is it a struggle to keep? I mean, it's such a compelling story and I'm sure the kids it is. sell themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it is a struggle it, it, because of course, this is a fully endowed scholarship. And therefore we live off the yield that we get from Ms. Ruby's gift. Right. And, um, there are a number of things that go into this program that by their very nature are labor intensive, which is the support mechanism that so many of these youngsters truly need. And so that means at the VSU level, Carla has to find a way of doing things. For example, we have this thing called the necessity fund. And the necessity fund is available to these students if an emergency comes up, et cetera, et cetera. The is, that like, is that like my car broke down yes. and I'm not gonna be able to get to school? It, it could be okay. a medical issue. It could be a medical issue. Yep. Can I take one minute and, and just expound upon something about the model? Sure, uh, please. We, we, we formed a board uh, in the very first year and Carla and I were lucky enough to chair that board. We have fantastic people, superintendents, folks in education. But one of the good things about nominating a student is first of all, the principal and the teacher are doing a lot of due diligence for us. And so we're getting, as you just said, Merle, a great look at fabulous youngsters. But more importantly, we recognize them for what they have done so far. And while it may be anecdotal, I'll tell you a story about one youngster who's one of our stars and 
we'll just um, uh, we'll just leave him from Mitchell County. But here's here's the story. He was very very Charles very very bright youngster from Mitchell County, and I ran into him after he was awarded the Sullivan Scholarship end of second year, and I knew he was going to be offered from other very very good schools, and he said to me, "You know, Mr. Goodrich." I'm not going to go to this university, even though they've given me a great scholarship. VSU was great enough to recognize me my second year in high school. But more importantly, they took all this pressure off my mother about where I was going to go to school. He said, I want to be a teacher. VSU is going to be fabulous, and I can't wait to come back to Mitchell County. That's precisely what we hope to accomplish. I think yeah, many of the students um, ask me during the first and second year, can I go back to my high school and talk to the juniors and seniors about this? So absolutely. <clears throat> so one of the things that we also talk to them about is the giving back. It's our expectation that when you leave, you will get, give back to your community, to the school, to the students. You can do it in any way you want. It doesn't have to be money. <coughs> but our intent is that as we grow kids in these communities and, and get a little bit of, um, um, or several of them in the area, that we'll go to them and ask them as alumni to help us with fundraising. So that maybe there's a student in their area or a student who wanna do this. Could they, what could they offer? Can they help? Can they do some fundraising in their small town, whatever. So we're we know that we're gonna scaffold this as we go. And that's one of the things that we'll be doing. That's marvelous. That's really mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about the present and the future. Let me frame this a little. Um, everything in the world sort of went sideways last year in a lot of different ways, but across the board, locally and globally, right? The 2020 was bonkers. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, as of this recording, Georgia expects that everyone will be available to get vaccines by sort of mid-April. Mm -hmm. um, we're coming out of the COVID crisis, but I, I guess I have two questions around this, which is, first of all, what are you seeing as the impacts currently? I mean, I heard you say recruiting is rough. When you're in a tight-knit family, when times are tough is not when you leave, right? So I, I hear that. But then also, do you have any sense of what the longer term impacts are going to be when you look forward and you sort of forecast out on the horizon, um, not just right now, but but years from now, mm -hmm. what what do you see coming? <laughs> okay. So one of I think there are positives and negatives coming, but let me talk speak to the positive or the challenge. I mean, not the positive, the challenge. Um, one of the challenges is teaching is a field that is um, not very well respected. And most of the kids that we bring in have heard from multiple people, you wanna be a teacher, you're not making any money being a teacher. It's a hard job, why would you do that? And, um, and we've, we're already battling that. 
with COVID and all the challenges and, and pushback that teachers been, have been giving that we see on TV about, we're not going into the schools, we're afraid, that will multiply. That, that, why would you wanna be in a school around all of that? Um, and I, so I think it'll just be one more um, piece of the argument from people who know the student to say, don't go into teaching. So I worry that, you know, that that negativity that they already face might increase. That's that's one piece. Um, the jobs in schools. Um, I, so on the positive end, one of the things we're learning is the power of uh, video and uh, Zoom and all of that. So there are ways to be connected that we will certainly um, use to support them and to support their students. We always talk to them about, we wanna build this cohort that is you, your family when you come to us. You may you know uh, fight like dogs and love like dogs, but you are family, you are the Sullivan family. And the intent was if we really get them bonded that when they go out, no matter where they are, if they are in a rural, when they are in a, in a rural area, and most of them will be, they're pretty isolated. So there may only be one kindergarten teacher. So who do you talk to about kindergarten? You talk to one of your other Sullivan scholars in another county. So we always intended to connect them, but now that we've seen how easy it is to use a Zoom or something, now we can make it much more personal and we can orchestrate getting them together after they graduate so that they have that support system that may not be possible in their small school system fully. So I, I think that's a, that's a positive. The other piece is it, we are, have uh, convinced faculty and others that you could supervise them from afar very easily with this new technology. So I think some of those barriers have come down. Finding um, flexibility there, that sounds like. Mm -hmm. Now, the other, uh, in terms of challenges in COVID, Many families who are poor already um, are, are now very poor. They've lost um, jobs. And so their financial situation is pretty dire in some cases and more so than it was maybe a year ago when we were interviewing. And so that has to be taken into account too because many of these students have two or three jobs after school in high school. Um, and mostly that money's going back into the family. Right. So if they leave, that they're really in trouble. So I, those are some things that I think we're going to be facing. Paul, do you have any insights as to the impacts of all of this? I, 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 I do. Prior to when we began, I think you mentioned that there's a general understanding that superintendents and school districts have trouble recruiting folks back into the rural community to become teachers. Neither Carla nor I can take credit for what seemed like a gimmick, but turned out to be a spontaneous gesture by a superintendent that we knew nothing about, nothing about it. But at that Sullivan Scholar senior night, he came with the idea of having a contract saying, when you graduate, I wanna put your name on this contract and you have a job back in this county. It was brilliant, it was ingenious, it was a great idea, but it truly speaks to that need, Meryl, that you talked about. And we think we can help with that 
which is why we have superintendents on our board. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing, of course, is that by creating this community, and all of this falls by the wayside, by the way, because all of these underserved youngsters from rural communities, it all falls apart if they don't receive the support in the family-like uh, sense that they belong. And, and that's the most important thing, it seems to me. Now, Carl is the educator, but I've been doing it for 15 years in another place. And a lot of it is that youngsters just feel they don't belong. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, the faculty at VSU has just adopted this program from the president on down because it makes sense. The youngsters love the program. In the first day I see them arriving on campus, it's like they have found a new home and a new family. And you can say anything else about this model. But if you can create that sense that I belong, I've earned the right to be here. This is my family. The rest of it becomes that much easier. Amen to that. One of a couple things that we do, we invite them to campus um, the spring before they're going to actually start VSU and let them meet each other and let them meet the people before. And at the ending part of that day, um, we ask for their thoughts and things. And repeatedly, there's this relief that, that says, oh, my gosh, I know people. I'm going to come here and I, I have friends. That's huge. Um, we place them in one residence hall on one floor. It's a large residence hall so that all the Sullivan scholars live together. That's another piece. So there, there are just lots of things we're trying to do to support their um, that connectedness. Um, Can I, I interrupt, Carla? Surely. One other thing, your great mandatory first year class for the Sullivan scholars. I think that's fabulous. I think Meryl would like to hear how you do that. Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the other piece that we've added is they all are required to take a course that's taught by one of the people on the Sullivan team. And the it's a course that counts for their major. So it's not in addition to, and it has, um, it, it's about teaching and, and, and poverty in schools, and et cetera. Um, but the intent of it, honestly, is so that I or whoever's teaching it can have eyes on them in the academic setting from that first semester. So if they're coming up late to my class, I know they're doing it for everybody else. If they're having trouble with writing for me, that's going to be, so it's a way to kind of preempt or prevent, <clears throat> get in front of um, pieces that occur for all um, new freshmen. Um, but, but it's our way of um, sort of intervening um, very kindly, but yeah, in ways to support them. So genius. that is important. Yeah, that's genius. It gets your eyes on them, and then I that's imagine right. it also connects them all with each other. Correct. Mm -hmm. They are yes. all in the class together, so they know each other, and they, if they see each other in other classes, they can say, "You're my study buddy," or whatever. You know. Right. Exactly. Ugh, well, actually, we we also try and get them in in at least two or three other classes together, not as Sullivan, because most of them have similar um, needs in, in their, their schedule. So with that study buddy piece in mind. So yeah, COVID um, hurt us, the, the kids who came this fall um, uh, had never been to college and they came in a COVID era 
where we are social distancing and in masks. Um, it was a very different experience than our first group of kids. And, um, and they struggled. Uh, that connectedness that we built so easily the year before um, was reduced. They couldn't get near each other. Sure, you know, enforced really, distance. It did. And so we, um, we implemented, you know, um, um, an invitation to a study hall for those who, whose grades dropped at midterm um, and towards the end of the semester. We hadn't needed to do that before because VSU has lots of, of support services. But again, our, our sense is you're bright enough to be successful. We aren't going to let you fail. So we set up something where they had a mentor to get them through. So, so we do try and do a lot of that. One of the things that I'm learning, and we knew it, but I know it deeply now, is those rural schools are very unlikely to attract anybody who hasn't lived there. Uh, maybe they get lucky. Somebody marries into a family. They have been fighting for years to do that with all kinds of things. It's not working, and, and we know why. The, the money will be less, the, if you will, excitement of a rural town. If you're not there from there, it doesn't look that interesting. And so that piece about getting people from that town um, is huge. And, and actually, we've just started another program um, that isn't scholarship funded at this point, but it's an e-degree, an electronic degree that will start in the fall that targets paraprofessionals and veterans who live in those counties, want to teach in those counties, and um, are not going to be able to come to VSU because they, are, they have a job. You can't give up your parapro job um, to do it, but you want to be a teacher. So I think that's another aspect that is a gift from Sullivan that we really understood how important it was to be reaching people in the community who want to teach, whether they're high school students or older um, students, um, you know, veteran teachers, veterans. So I think that is something that we're very committed to. Those rural counties are our, we've got to help. And there isn't enough money in the world to draw people there. It has to be that love of that, that setting in those communities. And the people who are from there are proud of it. They, each of the students told me about their um, what did one of them say? We have a wonderful cultural event and, um, and it was a face painting at a fair that they had, but it is the highlight of their life. They, they looked forward to going to it as a kid. They wanna go back and do it with kids. Those are the things you can't replicate with money. You have to have been from that community to do it. No, that's so true. And it's, it's, it is very, it's a challenge that, um, the communities are aware of, you know, but the, the you guys are actually out there solving the problem of, okay, but then how do we grow our own then? Mm -hmm. How do we have homegrown teachers? Because if you're not from here, you don't know how beautiful it is in the springtime or mm -hmm. what fun it can be at, um, you know, at our, at our festival over the summer or, or, or how, you know, the Johnsons down the road always do that thing at Christmas. Like you just don't know those things. That's um, right. So having the folks from there who already know and appreciate and have that love of the community be able to turn that love to, of teaching and of community into a commitment to serve that community. I mean, that's just, y'all are doing, y'all are doing great work. I'm very excited about this. Um, we are too. I think one thing that 
I feel strongly about, maybe I'll change my mind is <clears throat> if, a, if a local school could provide their own training for students, that would be fine. I don't think it's as good as getting them out of where they are, whether it's electronically or physically and broadening viewpoints, they go back, but it's, it's not the teacher that they had in third grade. That's not the only voice they've heard. And that teacher might be amazing and very often is, <clears throat> but you want them to hear the range of ways that third grade teachers are um, solving problems for students and families. And if you are located only within that system, you miss some of that. And I do think that's important. Um, Y'all, thank you so much for sharing about this program. If we have any listeners who want to learn more um, or apply, for example, what, what is their next step? Who, how do they contact you? Where do they go? Your best bet is to go to the Valdosta State University <clears throat> website and type in Sullivan Scholars and the program will come up and there's a link <clears throat> both to nominate students, but also if they wanna get in touch with me or the program director and find out information, we will get back to them. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate y'all very much and this wonderful work you're doing. Thanks for taking care of the students and teachers of Georgia. <laughs> Thank you Thank for inviting us. <laughs> a lot of fun. So Meryl, as we uh, have rounded out this series with our third installment, looking at the Sullivan Scholars Program, you know, it's, it's, Again, encouraging to see an institution with resources identify a specific need and a challenge and to remove a major barrier to an opportunity like being a teacher by way of a scholarship program saying to students early in their lives, if you want to teach and you're showing promise, uh, we can at least alleviate the financial burden of attending college for your dream to come true. I think that is the type of work that is going to make a huge difference in this whole teacher pipeline, retention, and recruitment conversation. Oh, I agree 100%. I, I think this program is so exciting. Um, I love that they are targeting lower income students from smaller communities. So it is exactly who as discussed in our other installments, it is it is who you want to be in this in this pipeline. Um, but where there are barriers, some of the strongest barriers to getting into and staying in a pipeline like the teacher pipeline. Um, and so they just handled it. They said, hey, if you want to do this, your heart is in it um, and you keep your grades up, we got you. We got you. We will get you to and through um, VSU. Um, we will get you to the classroom. I think it's so powerful. It is, and it, it also makes me think about the, the, the economic impact of having high quality teachers in the classroom and the investment they're making in these students will pay dividends for multiple generations. So one student who's able to, to, to transition out of a low income uh, environment and make a life for themselves and then teach students who may be in a similar circumstance and those students go on to get college degrees and are economically uh, mobile. I, it's just a, it's a, it's a very smart way mm. of, of advancing um, people's individual 
lives, but then more broadly, as we talk about as an organization, Georgia's economy. So you know, just thinking beyond the, the four-year experience in the classroom contributions of these, these teachers, uh, I think it has huge implications for our state, um, which, which is also exciting. Absolutely. No, I think it shows such a community investment and a, if I do say so myself, and this shouldn't be a surprise, we're an educational organization, but a very right-headed community investment. You know, they're saying, we understand that this is important for our entire region. And so they built a program around it. They put it in place, you know, um, and and in part, obviously, because Ruby Sullivan was really cool. Like, she was right. a cool lady. Yeah, uh, what a story. story. Yeah, it, yeah, everything about it is is just, it's uh, out of a out of a book or something, you know, but the, but the results are real yes. and they're doing the work and I I applaud them too. Every, every, every conversation we've had in the series has just lifted my spirit, so. Uh, thank you and thank you to all our guests and to all of our listeners. We thank you for being with us and we will catch you next time. Thanks y'all. Thank you for being here. Bye Robert. Bye. Hey there listener. One more thing before you go. You've been hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you. We at the Georgia partnership always want to get better at what we're doing. So let us know what you think so far. Also, What are we missing out there across this great state? Who's doing cool things in your neighborhood to support the education and workforce pipeline? What innovations and solutions has your community come up with around economic development? Are there some great partnerships between sectors like housing, health, transportation that are making a difference in your educational outcomes? We'd love to hear about them and spread the word about good work being done across Georgia. We hope to hear from you contact us, go to our website, gpee.org, and click on the Contact Us tab in the top right corner. Or give Robert, our communications guru, a call at 404-223-2464. Thanks for listening, listener.